Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. And welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm dying. And I'm Matt Smith. <laughs> that, not that Matt Smith. So. And we are from MindRobber.net, the home side of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts. Specifically this one, where we talk about Doctor Who. And our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else that isn't Doctor Who. If you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes specifically because really no other place matters. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you feel like sharing, you can email those to podcast at mindrobert.net. And uh, if you're listening, go to the website and leave comments on this episode because uh, we always like comments and we like starting conversations with our listeners. So go do that at uh, mindrobber.net. Let us know what you're thinking. Matt, today we're doing The Myth Makers. Yes. Which is a story that does not exist. Does not. It was wiped from the BBC library of things. And, uh... But the difference with this one is uh, I didn't watch it reconstructed. I just... Uh, listen to it like an audio adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, gotta admit, gotta admit, between that and a reconstruction, I kind of like just listening to it because I can just envision what people look like and what things look like, and it's going to be a lot bigger in my head than probably what was actually shot. Yeah, the, um, the Trojan horse probably looked a lot bigger than what they had. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and, you know, some people, like, uh, like the guy that Vicky runs away with, is, uh, much less creepy in my head (laughs) than in reality. (laughs) When I saw what he actually looked like, I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Vicky really lowered her standards there. Yeah. Also, Vicky's 16, which is just even creepier. Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Vicky's 16 years old, and she runs but, away. But she's in the past. The rules are different, so it's like... it's. Know. But she's not from the past, so no, the rules are not different. Oh, oh right. 16 is 16, my friend. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, oh, anyway, yeah, this, so this story, um, it doesn't exist. Uh, it's called The Mythmakers, and it's a... Um, it's, it's interesting for a number of reasons. One, it's the first time we're talking about a new producer on the show. Uh, and I don't know if he's the last producer. I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, but his name is John Wiles, and he took over after Verity Lambert and really like took the took the show and steered it in a entirely new direction, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we talk about his stories. He only oversaw four stories because um, when Verity Lambert left, 
uh, uh, her uh, script editors left with her, and basically Hartnell was the last man standing from the original vision of Doctor Who and really fought with John Wiles and really, like, threw his weight around. And John Wiles at a certain point was just like, you know what? I give up. I'm just going to leave. And John Wiles oversaw only four stories, which I find I like more than don't. Um, But we'll talk about them more as we get into them. Uh, This is the first story that he oversees. It's also... I don't think it's the first story script edited by Donald Tosh, because Donald Tosh took over with The Time Meddler. But Donald Tosh is his script editor for this time, uh, and it's really the story of um, the Doctor hanging out at the end of the Trojan War in, like, an Iliad sort of situation. Uh, Takes place between Mission to the Unknown, which is, like, the the prequel to the Daleks Master Plan and the Daleks Master Plan, um, which is right after this. Like, it, pick, the Daleks Master Plan play, picks up pretty much right after this story. Uh, it's also written by Donald Cotton, who you might remember because Scott hated him the last time we talked about him, which was with the Gunfighters. Um, and Cotton has this very specific sort of humorous take on uh, history where he's just like, I'm just going to chuck all the rules of reality out and let's have a fun history time. Uh, and of the two, I like the gunfighters more, but I think that this is really a small forgotten story that's really mm. kind of unfortunate. Uh, between the two, I find this vastly superior to the gunfighters. <laughs> well, you hated the gunfighters, so that's I really not... hated the gunfighters. <laughs> not really a surprise. Um, it's also the final appearance of Vicky, who runs off at the end of the story with Troilus. Um, I believe his name is. Uh, she and takes she takes over the name Cressida. Um. And it's also the first appearance of Katarina, who would be killed about three, four episodes later <laughs> in the Daleks' master plan. Oh, rough. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be Vicky who was jettisoned out that airlock, but Katarina is the one who does it. Um, it's really brutal. Really, really brutal. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting sort of Doctor Who story uh, for a number of reasons that we'll go into. Um, and I don't know. I find I... I, I Thought it was okay the first time, but the more, but I listen to it now and it, I find it alternatively funny. It's a nice send off for Vicky, but it's also a really good like I don't know, good historical, good historical in the Hartnell vein. I think it's um, a great historical. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really like it a lot. I think so. it's my favorite historical that we've seen so far. Sure, because we've done the Aztecs and we did the Gunfighters and we did Mythmakers. I don't think we've done any. Oh, and we did the Time Meddler. If you want to count the Time Meddler. Um. Mm. <laughs> you wouldn't. I, I, well, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess it does count. Um, yeah, I mean, because that's a pseudo historical. Like we're talking like no real sci-fi elements at all. Um, right. That's true. So. So yeah, I, I. I could see that. It's. It's a really strong one. Um. It's kind of unfortunate that it doesn't exist, but I'd. I'd rather other ones exist. It's not very high on my list. So. Sure. There you go. I think it plays really well as an audio adventure too. Oh, totally. It's very it's very easy to listen to. There's a there's a lot of characters, but it's always very clear what's happening, who's going on, and mm-hmm. there's some really great voices in it. Uh, specifically, the Cassandra character, who we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. So. It's and it's really dialogue heavy, which yeah. helps. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, before we start talking about. Uh, this week's episode. Uh, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our June book of the month, Strange Girl Omnibus Hardcover by Rick Remender. 
Uh, Eric Nguyen. Nguyen. <laughs> See, you say it's Nguyen, and then the I fanboy guys pronounce it like Guen. So that's I, I. I really don't think that's how you pronounce it. I'll be honest. Okay. If it's if if your last name is Nguyen, I really want to hear from you because Gwen, yeah, Gwen. That's how they pronounce it. Gwen. Ugh. Ugh. Um. Because they were talking about uh, the new American Vampire mini that mm. has Dustin Nguyen. Nguyen or Gwen on it, yeah. and they kept calling him Dustin Gwen. I don't know. Anyway, Eric Eric Nguyen, Eric Gwen. I don't know what it's, I don't know. <laughs> Spell your name like a normal person. And <laughs> Jerome Pena. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Look, when it's that hard to pronounce, that's just, I mean, whatever member in your family decided on your name, because that's how names work. At some point down the line, somebody was like, my name is this, from this day forth. They were just being obnoxious. Like, that's just, (laughs) you don't put an N and a G together. That just doesn't make any sense. Those are not two letters that should ever be next to each other. Like Gnosticism. That's not a great word. Gnosticism mm. is not a good word. No. No. Uh, so anyway, this book is available for $32.99, 45% This is just retail price of $59.99. Uh, sorry for that tangent. And remember, <laughs> all orders over $50 get free shipping. Thanks to InStockTrades.com. I'm frustrated with that last name this month. I really that's, am. That's all right. The month will be over before we know it. and we. I just want to know for sure how you pronounce it. That's all. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try and find a lookup before we have to do one of these again. <laughs> Goodness. All right. So anyway, uh, as we talked about a couple of last, last, last week or, or a couple of weeks ago, we're not going to be uh, going through episodes step-by-step step anymore. We're just sort of going to talk about them in a general sort of fashion. Um, so I just want to say that I, I really like this. The one question I have, and this is more of a history question than a question about the episode itself, though it helps, um, I forget the, I guess, the, uh, the order of events in history. Because I realized that calling it the Trojan horse, the horse could have been coming from either party, and you could still call it that. So, and I've never really looked into it before to know which party originally comes up with the horse. So, is this story suggesting that the idea of the Trojan horse comes from the Doctor, or that the Doctor stole it from history to help the other team? Uh, I think I think it's suggesting that the doctor came up with the idea of the Trojan horse. Um, okay. And took it, so so yeah. in reality, it's what is it, it in in this? It's the Greeks that are hiding in the horse, and they take it into Troy. Yeah. Well, that's right? that's the story. Yeah. Okay. That's that's how it works. Okay. Because I wasn't sure. Because you can call it. You could also call it a Trojan horse if it was filled with Trojans. <laughs> yes, you could. So I wasn't sure which one it was. I can't. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I. I, I I won't even say that I can't remember. I literally I don't think I ever knew. Yeah. So <laughs> Well the idea is that the, the Greeks um the Greeks left a giant horse, loaded a bunch of people in it, and then just waited for the Trojans to pull it into the city. Um right. and it's called the Trojan horse because the Trojan the Trojans called it their own and it was a giant just not trap. trail but trap, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alright, so 
Uh, but the implication is that the Doctor creates the Trojan horse because he's, I mean, it's really funny, like, listening to, him to the first three parts of the story where they're like, make magic for us, and he's like, I have some flying vehicles, and they're like, okay, well, you're going to try them out first. And then all of a, and then just in a fit of anger, he just says, well, why don't you build a giant horse, load all people into it, and then hope they take you into the city? Um, which really makes the doctor kind of responsible for everything that happens. <laughs> because... Because as ever, as as I'm and I'm not the first to point this out, but it's interesting that this story is kind of like a light comedy for the first three episodes. I mean, the only really dark part is Cassandra, and even then, she's a um, like a very comic figure, I, I guess, just because she's so crazy. Oh but yeah, the- no, she's what? Well, what? The thing with Cassandra is that when she shows up, she's obviously like evil mm-hmm. and uh, not out for the well-being of our characters. Yes. And uh and so you know you just sort of paint her into a corner of okay that's 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 the bad character. Um and you keep expecting her to do something but then like halfway through the story everybody everybody literally everyone in the in the entire story every character is just like shut up Cassandra. <laughs> just stop talking. No, seriously, <laughs> shut up. She's like, no, they're evil, and the Troy is going to... Shut up, Cassandra! <laughs> Which I just find so funny. Well, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 <laughs> it is really funny, because they, they just don't take her seriously, because she says, I imagine a wooden vessel carrying people, and the people create the fall of society. And they think it's the TARDIS, because, you know, the TARDIS is a big old wooden box. Um, sure. And and then when it turns out to be a gift of uh, Vicky and Steve, or not not Stephen because Stephen got out, but a Vicky, they're just like, oh, Cassandra is not on our side. And then Cassandra's like, no, guys, this is really going to happen. And they're like, you know, we used to like you, but now you're just crazy. And it's <laughs> it's funny because she is right about everything. <laughs> She's right about every last thing in this story because the like the last part like about halfway through you have two sets of characters you have the characters who are outside the wall the Greeks and you have the Trojans who are in Troy and halfway through the last episode all the Greeks just run into Troy and slaughter everyone like every character you've known they just come in and kill all of them and yep. it's like what just happened the only <laughs> The only character who gets out is Troilus, and that's because of Vicky. And it's like, <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. And the Doctor is entirely responsible for you know half the cast killing the other half. Yeah, and he doesn't really seem super remorseful about it. <laughs> no, he's just like, guys, we got to get out of here. <laughs> let's just, let's just go. <laughs> but that's really like that's the thing about Wiles that I really appreciate is like before. The Doctor is like, there isn't any bad side to what the Doctor's doing, but now you get this, and you get the Daleks Master Plan, and you get the Massacre, where everything that the Doctor does is called into question. Like, what is the point of him as a character? Like, is he good? Is he evil? Should he be messing around with history? And, like, these, this story, the next one, and the Massacre really put a toll on him, like, in seeing... Like, just questioning his culpability and moral responsibility. It's just, it's interesting. Um, and it really makes me, like, appreciate the brief Wiles era that we have, which is interesting. 
Um, uh, so let's talk about some stuff. There's some fights in this, which I think are great. Um, I especially like the first fight, if for no other oh reason than because... <laughs> oh my god. Okay, here's the thing about the first fight, okay? You start... Okay, the, the, the whole story starts with uh, uh, Achilles and a Trojan like Hector. going to Hector. town on each other uh, just outside of Troy. And the TARDIS shows up and they don't they don't even notice it because, you know, they're too busy sword fighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then so the doctor and and Stephen and Vicky are inside the, the TARDIS and they're just like, what's uh, what's going on out there? And the doctor's like, I don't know. Let's go check it out. And they're like, um, they're sword fighting. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, it'll be fine. And so he goes, he, he walks outside, and as soon as he walks outside, Achilles is like, Zeus! <laughs> and the doctor's like, yes, I am Zeus. And then Achilles kills the Trojan immediately. And, like, and the doctor's just like, whoa, 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 not cool, not cool. <laughs> like, that's about that's about the only reaction that you get out of it is him just being like that is really not cool. Like <laughs> seriously Achilles, that is not cool. And Achilles is like, "I'm sorry. Uh but you have to come with me because you're Zeus and we need your help." And he's like, "All right, but seriously, that wasn't that was not cool." <laughs> Like, he just, <laughs> people just die a lot in this, and the doctor just seems like, he's like, seriously, bro, like, not, I'm not, I'm not cool with all this dying, but I'm also really laid back in the story. <laughs> it feels like the doctor's on, vaca- on vacation from, cr- from caring. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, that's right. It's, <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah. And <laughs> And he doesn't even seem to, like, really care. Like, I bet you his flying machine, because you don't really get to see it, like, it's probably, like, a thing where it can get you up just fine. Like, up into the air just fine. But getting down would probably cause you to break a leg or, you know, lose a tooth. Something really just vicious. And the doctor only cares about, like, (laughs) the flying machine because he would would have to be testing it out. And he doesn't want to do that (laughs) because he's just kind of chicken. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and it's funny because, like, it starts with a giant fight and it ends with a giant fight. But the thing about the first fight is it's like they – and I, I thought it was a mess up on the on the audio that I had. But you hear, like, Vicky and Steven and the Doctor just, like, talking in the TARDIS like, oh, where are we? We're on some plane. And there's these guys fighting. And the guys are, like, fighting outside and they're just, like, throwing insults. And you can hear it because the TARDIS can hear it. <laughs> and it's just like it's just like did you not notice the giant blue thing that just landed near you and uh someone should really stop these guys from fighting because they're gonna kill each other and it's like and they're just like they're just talking like it's just so funny and they're like we should go stop them and the doctor's like eh we'll get to them in a second so I, I actually really like the writing in this one um I don't know I maybe I just don't I I, I don't know maybe I just don't like uh, Donald Cotton writing westerns, but I like his comedic take on stuff in this because yeah. it's it very like I don't know it's very specific, but it's also like it's just really funny. I don't know. I like it. 
Yeah, and it and it definitely does make me laugh at parts. Like, <laughs> like it's just it's just you're right. It's really good in a way that like, like it's just like, classic. Oh my funny. god! Oh my god! When the two guys are talking later, um, uh, who is it? It's uh, not not Odysseus. Um, uh, Agamemnon. Yeah. It, maybe no, I don't know the one that whose wife is missing. Uh oh, Agamemnon. Okay, yeah. When the two guys are talking and he's just like, they're like, uh, they're like, you know, like you can't like the guy, the one guy's talking to Ag- Agamemnon, and he's like, you know, we really need to go save your wife, and he's like, ah, she was, ah. <laughs> and they're like. <laughs> Um, that's not how you should be acting about your wife. He's like, look, I really didn't like her that much. It's not (laughs) worth it. (laughs) Like, literally, he's saying that. (laughs) Like, it's, it's like, like, I just, I I kept waiting almost for him to, like, break out into stand up where he's just like, if you love my wife so much, you can take her. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, am I right, guys? Am I right? (laughs) It was the funniest conversation. I was like, what is happening right now? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally, he's talking about the woman that launched a, like a thousand ships or whatever, right? Yeah, and, te- and ten years of war and countless deaths and just yeah, like, he's just we're like, still oh, here. Screw her. <laughs> I wasn't happy. I yeah. think she was happy. I don't care. Yeah, now I'm just look. I'm really over this marriage, guys. Like I'm really over it. So <laughs> if you want her, you can fight for her. Me, I'm just gonna sit here with my burger, and we're gonna be okay. <laughs> so funny. It's like a ten year vacation for me. Just you know, with a little fighting here and there. Like, <laughs> but I don't have to do any of the fighting. I just get to sit here and eat cheeseburgers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'll oh, be honest. By the way, I invite. I invented cheeseburgers. <laughs> Well, that's that's true though. If you if you ever like you know if you're ever on the battlefield, you want to be the guy who's sitting on the side eating cheeseburgers. Yeah. Because for one thing, you're not dying, and for another, you're eating a cheeseburger. So <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it's one thing that this this story does though. Uh, that I, 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 is sort of a pet peeve in anything for me, not just Doctor Who, but anything um, is when the writer comes to a point where the answer to a problem, like the solution to a problem is really, really simple. But the writer, obviously you can just see the writer behind the computer or the typewriter or whatever saying, Oh, that's too easy. I'm going to do something else, but it makes no logical sense to do anything else than what you should be doing. And I'm like, they're like, it's just not interesting. So I'm not going to do that. Just regardless of logic. And this episode does that. And, like, one of the things, like, like an example for, uh, of what I'm talking about uh, would be, like, a lot of the times in, like, Angel or Buffy, whenever somebody would be like, Oh, Angel, you're a vampire. That means you're bad. He just goes, Oh, man, maybe you're right. Like, instead of just being like, No, I have a soul. I'm good. Like, instead of just saying that, and literally at least three quarters of the people that have a problem with him would be fine because they'd be like, oh, you have a soul and other vampires don't. Oh, okay, I see. That's the difference. 
That's fine. Okay. <laughs> we can like, return sure to the like... story. We no longer have tension between us as two characters. But no, Angel never opens his mouth and just says, I have a soul, so I'm not like other vampires. No one ever, he never says that. And it drove me nuts through the entire series. Drove me nuts. I hate that. I hate when characters they e- do not just take the easy solution when it's obviously there. Example in this story is the doctor says this is my this is this is this is the the TARDIS is my traveling temple. And and uh, Odysseus is like okay, whatever. Look at this thing. It's a stupid box. You're no god. This is ridiculous. He's like, no, it's my traveling temple. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's like, oh, it's your traveling temple. Let's go in. And the doctor's like, well, we can't do that. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Seriously, if Odysseus just took one step inside the TARDIS, he'd be like, holy crap, you are Zeus. (laughs) Done. No more problems with Odysseus. (laughs) Problem solved. No more tension. Odysseus is like, okay, you are Zeus. What do you need me to do? Everyone's Everything's hunky-dory. The doctor and, and his two companions can just, you know, survive the rest of the story as Zeus, Persephone, and Poseidon. And everything's fine. But, but no, no. Odysseus cannot go in the TARDIS. Why? I don't know, because he shouldn't. I, there's no reason. <laughs> he just shouldn't be in there, I guess. Yeah, there's really no reason. Not even like a... You, just, you know what? Just have him look in. Like, Yeah. Just, just poke your head in there. Like, oh, you don't believe me it's a temple? Here, go in and look. Look, that's a coat rack right there, buddy. Good enough for you? <laughs> Good enough for yeah, you? Yeah. Like, I have an armchair. Ugh. Drives me nuts. I there's hate it clock. when stories do that. Yeah. So, I just... I hate it when any story does that, because... I just whenever that a situation like that like uh, comes up in a story where I'm just like, just show him the thing or tell him the thing. Like, why aren't you just acting like a normal person? Oh yeah, uh. that that is really frustrating. <laughs> oh man. Oh now I'm oh, gonna see man. all of those things forever. Um. Oh man, eight years of that on Buffy and Angel. <laughs> eight years. Drove me nuts. <laughs> Anyway, oh yeah, um, <laughs> I got I got nothing. Uh, so <laughs> you're like I I I have I have I have no defense for that. I don't have a defense. There's no defense. Um, uh, I guess I guess the thing that we should probably talk about is the departure of Vicky. Um, who I will say is given a shockingly good departure. <laughs> yeah, no, she's given a really decent departure until you see what Troyes looks like. <laughs> And then you're like, you know what? Maybe that wasn't so good. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't so good. You're 16 years old, and he looks like a pedophile. Maybe this isn't so good. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a little, like, uh, uh, not, like what is it? Like, uh, uh, Stockholm Syndrome, I guess? Where, like, he, ca- he helps capture her, and she's just like, I'm really into you. And it's like, it's a little weird. Um, yeah, no, he's... He's uh, he's really like skinny and bony and veiny and he has like that you know that stereotypical Greek haircut which may be stereotypical because most Greeks had that haircut. Um 
But, you know, where it's all, like, smoothed and it's all pushed forward and curly, kind of curly at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and then he's got a creepy Abe Lincoln beard. <laughs> and she's really smitten with him. A 16-year-old from the 60s is really a smitten with that guy. <laughs> 16-year-olds from the 21st century, actually. Um, oh, is, man. Yeah, and it's, his, uh, his eyes are sunken in, like... <laughs> he's really not. I don't. What? Yeah, I. Don't, he's not like super attractive. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's not. But I'll, but I'll say like it, it. I find it. I find it interesting because like compared to like the next like just batch of departure de- uh, companion departures like uh, Dodo is coming up. I think Dodo is the next. Oh, besides Katarina, who is jettisoned out an airlock, um, and it's Sarah Kingdom. If you want to catch her, being aged to dust. Um, <laughs> Starlock's master plan, dark story, dark story. <laughs> um, uh, you have Dodo, who is written out in, you know, episode two. Uh, and By the way, Dodo's gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys remember that, right? Oh, that was God. Good still time. My, still good my time. favorite thing, because, man, the Dodo fans are just probably still angry about that. Um, <laughs> sorry, the Dodo fan. Um, so, <laughs> and then Nobody liked Dodo. Her name no. was Dodo. Yeah, she's the worst. Um, uh, there's also Steven's departure, who manages to go out in the last episode of his story when they're just like, hey, we need a leader. Steven, you want to be a leader? And Steven's like, what, me? I don't – doctor, I could – let's do this. And the doctor's like, all right, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> or uh, or uh, Ben and Polly, who are written out uh, way ahead of time. Um, I just – I think it's really interesting that – Vicky is given a lot of time to, and I mean, if you don't look at Troilus, um, they really do a good job of putting the two characters together and making them really kind of fall in love. And then Vicky just kind of saying, "Okay, I'm going to go off and found Rome." Yeah, or my Carthage, biggest, Carthage. I think, I think my big problem though with Vicky's departure, uh, beyond the fact, and I'll agree with you that their relationship feels real, despite me being very glad I was listening to it and not watching it. <laughs> um, my biggest problem with Vicky's departure is that it is nearly identical to Susan's departure. Um, which oh, was... yeah. No, now you say that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's like the previous departure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the last departure, wasn't it? Uh, well, there was Ian and Barbara in there. Oh, right. Ian and Barbara was after that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're like, oh, we have another 16-year-old girl. Uh, let's her, have her fall in love with a guy, this time in the past, and stay behind. <laughs> eh. <laughs> I don't know. But no, I, I guess, I, I mean, that's that. just a product of the 60s and that, you know, in the 60s, it was, a, it was very much a time where you know, quote-unquote women had their place, and that place was in the arms of a man. So I can't fault the time period for not trying to do anything a little more grander than that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I find... I've uh, While I find the idea of a 16-year-old falling in love and staying behind as a result of the best love ever... Um, because that's very much a 16-year-old girl's mindset. Um, or, you know, to be fair, a lot of 16-year-old boys. Uh, 
but this romance is not gonna last. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not perfect. And, have- and eventually, Vicky is going to be very, very regretful of of staying behind, and she's never gonna be able to go back home. Uh, so, <laughs> sure. I no, I, I I hear you, and I get that. Um, uh, I yeah yeah. There's no defense uh, because I don't think I don't think their relationship's supposed to work out in the long run. I mean, with with Susan, I kind of bought it a little bit more because they're des- they're they're not in a place of they're in a place of need with each other because you know Earth was like bombed out and destroyed and stuff like that. Whereas with Vicky. You know, she's kind of gonna go get a new start with Troilus as he goes off and founds some famous city because because they give her the name Cressida, which is a a, a famous Greek like character. You know, so it's interesting. It's it's interesting. I I, I really do love this this story's like balls to just go f- play fast and loose with history. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I really do love that about no, it. No, Donald Cotton's the best for doing that because he's just like, you know what? I could be historically accurate, but that's not really entertaining. I mean, <laughs> and you I know mean, what, it's buddy? You're kind of right. Yeah. No, what else I'm, does he write? Just the gunfighters, I think. Oh, really? Just these two? Huh. Yeah. Because, like, after this, they really got rid of... Um, they really got rid of the historical, which was what he was known for. And he was commissioned... Uh, he was commissioned for the gunfighters based on the strength of this. So... Ah... Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's that's really. I mean, it's it's unfortunate because he's he really is one of like the standouts of the season, um, and sort of like the historicals because he it was like him and John Lucarotti and Dennis Spooner were the two pe- were the three people who really wrote the uh, the first um, the the historicals of the Hartnell era. Um, gotcha. and, and it's good. It's good. It's like a really sort of like oh yeah, we can do a good historical and the historical can work. Out, not outside the realm of the Hartnell era, but it can work. So it's something, um, and we're left on the notion that Stephen is really hurt, and the Doctor needs to go find help, which is where we pick up with uh, Dalek's master plan. I do really love, like, you know, the thing with um, the thing with the new season of Doctor Who uh, of series series seven. Right. And the idea that they're all going to be one-part adventures, which I do love. I love I love that idea. And I know you like the multi-part stories, but I'm after after the last two seasons of like all you know, big story arc stuff. Um yeah. that you know, depending on your opinion, did or did not at all in any way pay off. Um uh, I I'm excited by the prospect of of a bunch of single stories, and I'm I'm excited at the prospect of lots of writers getting a chance to write for the show. Yeah. Um, but I would really love if all of the episodes connected in a serialized way, whereas mm-hmm. not not like in an overarching thing, but where the end of the first episode goes right into the second episode, and so on, and so on, and so on. Yeah, like the doctor gets stuck in a time corridor and it leads him to the next story. Oh, um, that would be awesome. Yeah. No, that'd no. be that'd be a lot of fun, yeah. I I would love that and it would be a different way of connecting the show's episodes together than how they have been doing it. Um mm-hmm. They haven't really done that in the new series. Not really. Not not 
Not except for like um, unofficial three-part stories, like the master three-parter in season yeah. three. They did it. I think Davies did it a little bit. He did. It, he did a couple where like they kind of led into each other. Like the Martha, the Martha story is actually like the first that Martha's first season really kind of leads into itself. Um, mm-hmm. Where so does so does uh, uh, at the Eccleston season to a point. Yeah, I well, I'd argue that the Eccleston season really ties all together. Like, not not completely, but you can t- like you know. Rose, End of the World, Unquiet Dead, Aliens of London all kind of go together. Like, they mm-hmm. all really just kind of bam, and then, bam, bam. And then bam, bam. Uh, Dalek to, um, what's the one right after that? Long Game. Long Game. Dalek to Long Game also. Mm-hmm. Very and then, uh back to back. And then Boomtown to Bad Wolf, because they go from Boomtown to, they drop off uh, the Slitheen and then are dropped into Bad Wolf. And I like those. Like, I like it mm-hmm. when they kind of tie them all together, but I haven't seen... It is something that's kind of been missing from the... Like, how awesome would it be if every episode left on a cliffhanger for the next episode? That'd be great. Instead of just showing a preview, like, instead of showing a trailer for each episode, just leave on a cliffhanger setting up the next one. Mm-hmm. That's that'd... what I want. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, no, that'd be a lot of fun. I and, would um, love that. Well, that's, that's one of the things I love about the Davison era. I mean, especially in the first season, because, like, every episode starts with like oh here's what we were doing last week like as we'll see in um uh what was it black orchid like i think the first couple lines of black orchid are like you sure it's okay that we left that city on fire like (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and Earthshock. i mean Earthshock starts with um or one of the pieces of Earthshock that starts is the doctor walking into adric's room with a note about the black orchid and what that whole thing meant so it they they do all kind of tie together there's gaps in the middle where you can slot stuff in but you know frontios leads right into resurrection of the daleks and uh, i don't think the awakening leads right into frontios but they do have moments of connection which i really enjoy and gives a nice linkage above all mm-hmm. and actually really now that i mentioned it, now that i think about it the cotton era really does or the not the cotton era but the wiles year or half season really does link in to itself because like you have that. Galaxy 4 and then at the end of Galaxy 4 you have the Doctor and Vicky and Steven flying over a planet and they're like, I wonder what's happening on the planet and then the next week you get that what is on the planet which is a bunch of Daleks planning and master plan and then the Myth Makers leads into Daleks master plan leads into the massacre because the massacre picks up pretty much right after the Daleks master plan um, and it's I all really kind like of that. interesting yeah, no, it's great it's great. I wish uh, I wish they did that now. I think that I think that's fun. Oh sure. Um. So anyway. Yeah. So um. Before we move on and wrap it up, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com, which is the website that lets you order all of your monthly comic books, statues, action figures, T-shirts, posters, anything you could get from a local comic book shop. Anything that you can order from uh, Diamond Distribution, you can get from DCBService.com at a discount. You uh, pre-order everything uh, two months in advance, and you can get uh, some monthly discount specials up to 75% off, uh, sometimes 60% off, sometimes 50% off. uh, But regular discounts are 40% off, and you ship as often as you like, uh, which means monthly... 
uh, bi-weekly or weekly. And uh, those orders can be as large or small as you like, and you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com, if you don't have a local comic book shop, uh, this is definitely the, w- the, the way to go. And even if you do have a local comic book shop, um, this is going to be a lot cheaper for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you should think about switching to DCBService.com. Next week, we're back with the Fifth Doctor and Black Orchid. Feels like it's been a while. Has it? It Has does it? feel like it's been a while. Yeah. I don't it know does. what that was. I, I like... always look forward to another Peter Davison story. Yeah. Well, Black Orchid, it's, it's real quick. It's two parts. It's a – which I hadn't really realized or, like, I hadn't really put two and two together, but it's another historical. So, like, it's the first historical since The Smugglers, which is, like, no sci-fi elements, just kind of blah. It's a story that everyone really hates or, uh, like, a couple people like it, but it's very maligned. Like, people are just like, what the hell? Um, well, that's because they weren't used to historicals at that point, I think. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll, we'll see what you what what you think because I'm really I'm really interested to see what you think, and I haven't revisited it since I first watched it because Cassandra had it for the blog. So, uh, so we'll, we'll look at it again. It's a really quick two part story. Um, on the other side of that, <laughs> Underworld. Um, uh, but at um, least on the other side of Underworld, we get the Doctor's daughter and Planet of the Spiders and Planet of the Spiders, and then more Eccleston with Aliens in London World War Three, which the I farting aliens. I f- yes. Oh, I hate that episode. I hate. It. I, I hate love it. it. I, hate um, it. I, hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I love the concept of the episode. The aliens did not need to fart. That is stupid. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. That but was stupid. The episode would have been great if they didn't fart. Ruins the whole story for me. That's a that's a that's a lot of ruining. I'm just saying. Ugh. I'm just saying. It's well, ridiculous. We'll anyway, see. we'll get there. We'll see how it goes. Um. So yeah, Black Orchid Underworld, which is that's that's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, the Doctor's Daughter, Planet of the Spiders, Aliens in London, a lot of good stuff. One really bad one. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Um. In the meantime, you can uh you can. Find us online. I'm twitter.com slash uh, Scott Corelli. And uh, my alternate Twitter account is uh, Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things. Uh, Matt and I have started hate-watching things <laughs> because that's fun. Yeah, um, it's, 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 it feels good. feels yeah, good. Yeah, hate-watching is fun. Um we're thinking about hate-watching the show Revenge. I also thought of the idea of possibly hate-watching American Horror Story. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be a great hate-watch? Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be great. Because, yeah. I'll be honest, was a Ryan Murphy fan for a while. Not I'm a Ryan curious. Murphy fan. I am curious. <laughs> Very curious. Um, but I'm also <laughs> curious about Revenge. I don't know. We're going to hate watch one of those. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, also, stay tuned because I will be live tweeting Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection soon. Matt will be joining me with, for at least one of those, if not two. Yes. Um, and uh, there was something else I was thinking about live tweeting as well. But I don't remember what it was. I know well, at some point I'll be live tweeting The Walking Dead Season 2. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, because I do want to watch it because I, I am interested in what season three looks like. From yeah. what I've seen, it actually looks really awesome. 
So yeah, and from what I understand, the first episode is supposed to be great. Like, yeah, I was listening to them talk about it, and you would listen to it too. But like listening to them talk about it was like, okay, if you bring what you say you're bringing, I'm in. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out, um, and probably live tweet that very soon. Um, and yeah, we used to do Sunday Trek. We haven't done that in a while, but we are busy people. Yeah, and uh, and you know. I mean, I love Sunday Trek. It's a lot of fun, and it's good to do, but I think I really enjoy watching Revenge, or I'm going to enjoy that. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, or American so, Horror Story. Or American Horror Story. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, uh, but for me, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin. You can also find me on my alternate Twitter account, GD Commentary, uh, as in Gungadin Commentary. Uh, or my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where last week Cassandra reviewed Planet of Evil, which she loved and didn't and hadn't loved before that. Like, she thought it was okay, but now she loves it. Um, nice. And uh, this week I'm doing Planet of the Spiders, which is really exciting. Um, it, was supposed, it actually was supposed to sync up, but we got behind on the podcast, so um, whatever. I'll just watch it twice. It happens. happens. Um, yeah, it was. It was for a while there. It was really synced up, and it was gonna. It was it looked like it was gonna go, but we just. I mean, we just fell behind. Well, busy. I'm gonna buy. I'm definitely gonna buy a Planet of the Spiders. Um, Hell yeah! Before we get there, so I'm excited to watch that again. Oh yeah. my god, oh. I'm so excited to watch that oh. again. I'm excited to start blogging it because I, I can't. I can only imagine. <laughs> um, and if you guys haven't yet, which I don't know why you wouldn't have, but I know. I know at least half of the audience that listens to this show has not. Uh, why aren't you? Why aren't you listening to the Mind Robbers, our flagship podcast, where Matt and I talk about all things in the world of entertainment that are not Doctor Who? Yeah. And, Do you uh, only care about Doctor Who? I know that's not true. Yeah, and 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 you know now with timestamps. Now, now with, with timestamps. Stamps. Yeah. So you can go in knowing exactly what we're going to talk about episode to episode. So that'll be good. Yes, uh, everybody thank Matt for that. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> all uh, grovel. Please all grovel. <laughs> and we wonder why they're not listening. <laughs> uh, it's like this, but a little more unchained and a lot more fun. So Yeah, <laughs> a lot more four-letter words because that one has a parental advisory on it. <laughs> this one does not. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we slip up, and I apologize because I know some of you listen to this with your kids. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm sorry about that. I, I don't do my listen best to the mind robbers with your kids, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, if they're like 14 and snorting coke, I guess you could. Uh, <laughs> I guess you could, but um, that's coke like the soda. It's interesting. Um, it comes with a straw, so that's <laughs> something to do with your kids. But other uh, than that, I can't okay. believe I just made it. Uh, Oh, I just ruined that thing where I apologized. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we'll talk to you next week with Peter Davison and the Black Orchid. Oh, uh, so nice. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.